It's Monday, August 30th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. This episode is sponsored by Body Armor, Red Bull, and Mattress Firm, our 202nd episode. So for all your drinking and sleeping needs, please visit our sponsors in the links below. How's it going, fellas? Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm on it. I'm going way over the top here because uh, I He's went on a one. CrossFit workout over lunchtime. Oh, why don't you tell I just us? Gotta all get about the it. word in there. Yeah. Why don't you break something? I did this workout called uh, Fat Amy, which I don't know why it's Did you do a that. workout or did you do a wad? Offensive. Well, that was the workout of the day. So, okay. wad. Yes. Just, just thought I'd the wad was called Fat it. Amy. 17 minutes and 52 seconds was my time. Uh, so, I'm sitting here on a bunch of uh, pre workout that hasn't left my veins, plus Red Bull, because we're sponsored by Red Bull and Body Armor and Mattress Firm. I'm ready to do the episode. I'm going to go ahead and say this because it needs to be said. Working out for time is stupid, and I don't like it. I like functional exercises. I don't like doing them for time. I like doing them for technique. So, yeah, CrossFit. That's right. I don't care if my brother-in-law owns a box or whatever you call gyms because you need to call them different things. So, anyways, I had to get that off my chest. I had to get it off my chest. Hey, whatever, man. That's just like your opinion. CrossFit's so. like my favorite cult so far. Of all the cults, it's the best one. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. I want to uh, talk about a different cult. I got another I got tech something history. to kick it off with. Oh, you have tech history? <gasps> yeah, bro. Today? Bro, today in tech history. First, we have it? It's today because we're starting later. Yes, correct. I'm going to talk to you about the first building block of the internet. Okay. Ooh. August 30th. August 30th. The first interface message processor, IMP, is delivered to Leonard Kleinrock's research group at UCLA. The IMP was the device that would interconnect networks between research facilities on the developing ARPANET, a precursor to the internet. As a packet switching device, the IMP can be considered the first generation of what we now call network routers. Y'all heard of those? Uh, I have not ever. I have Eero. What's that? The uh, second IMP was delivered to the Stanford Research Institute on October 1st. And the first message between the two IMPs was sent on October 29th which is now considered the first message ever sent on the quote internet. They didn't call it that at the time, but that's what it's referred to as now. What year are we talking about? 82. 72. 69, 1969. Ah, almost so, 60s. Yeah. I was going to go into this little question, but I'll give you the year. Which happened first? Us landing on the moon or this first building block of the internet? This first building block of the internet. Moon. So you're both kind of right, right? The very first one was in place. August well, then it's a bad question. 30th. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. No, no, no. They both have, uh, excuse me. I was thinking one, one, one was in place before we landed on the moon, but we landed on the moon in July of that year. Yeah. August was the first one in place. And then October was when the second one was in place. And then they actually transmitted the message. So well, that's based off of first. a modern calendar. Was August yeah. always after July in the 60s? The moon. Well, I think... I think that's a bad question anyway, because it would be more interesting if we landed on the moon um, after, if it was like the month after in that year, 1969, because most people are just going to say, yeah, of course the internet came after we landed on the moon, but it was very, very close between this. Well, if you think about it, it's kind of crazy. We landed on the moon before we created like broad computer networking. Yeah, dude. Have (laughs) you seen the data? Uh, Have you seen the facts on like the, the um, computational, the the computing power that they used? So tiny. Yes. So yes. it was like, it was like less than, uh, I, I can't even, I can't even remember the computational power that they had was just insane. 
isn't it yeah i don't i don't remember the specs either but it's probably like less performant than like a ti-83 calculator yes (laughs) yes Yes. that's crazy all right um russ you got your body armor i got my red bull tyler is sleeping on a mattress for a mattress and uh let's talk about the news today gentlemen we got i want to talk about something known as moore's law have y'all heard of it yes Okay, Tyler. So I can explain uh, it for no, Tyler. Sorry. Yes. You, it for you Tyler. haven't? <laughs> no, I have. I'm sorry. I forgot the joke is to say no. Again, I'm yeah. on a lot of pre-workout and Red Bull say right no. now. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think everyone knows the idea of Moore's Law, right? I mean, just sort of in essence. Yeah. Basically, the idea that every, I think it's, you know, two years or so that uh, processors yes. and things would get faster really they'd get smaller so the shrinkage that we're talking about here that has been slowing for a while it's not it's, it's not it's not shrinkage it's it's the number of transition transistors right so right would get density, would get more dense it's right. the density of a circuit and yeah it doubles every two years yeah which happens by shrinking them that's um, true. okay fine. so i was just trying to get uh, away from the word shrinkage just so we're clear you know you know it's the thing anyways that has been slowing dramatically oh, over the years it? yes Yes. And uh, it, in fact, so much so that we haven't been doing a very good job at the every two years thing for about 10 years now. But is what's this interesting like when is, we mow the lawn? Is this like when we mow the lawn and I end up mowing the lawn? Uh, I don't know. I mowed the lawn yesterday, so <laughs> I'm not sure what you I didn't do anything to shrink the size of transistors, so I'm going to go with yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> well, the... There is a machine, a $150 million machine that is keeping Moore's Law alive. It is called ASML's Next Generation Extreme Ultraviolet Lithography Machine achieved Ah. previously unattainable levels of precision, which means chips can keep shrinking, sorry, for years to come. So it's pretty cool because there, I mean... There was a while back, it was probably 10, 15 years ago that we thought that the lowest nanometer count we were even going to be able to get to on a CPU was around seven nanometers. And we, we've already exceeded that. We have five nanometer chips now. Now Some techniques oh, yeah. have dramatically changed, but it's interesting to see that we have years to go of what I would just consider traditional computing ways of continuing to drive efficiencies and performance. So that's good news for us to see because we need more frames per second we need better esports. So I'm That's sorry. Gonna drive it. <laughs> I'm hearing that a printing press is keeping this alive. Yeah. A lithography machine. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to look into this. Yeah. Well, it's on That's Wired. Uh, it's a pretty solid article. It's pretty long, but it's worth a read. And I thought it was worth a mention because I think it's a big deal. I think it's good. Now, it's Intel just needs deal. to figure out how to get these people <laughs> to help them to shrink their stuff because they're struggling yeah. with it. So, yeah. Pat, Intel give them a call. With the seven. How's Intel they, doing now? They're on Pat's 10. The they're on 10 right now, 10 nanometer at the moment, right? But they have a very different technique. I, I can't go into the details of it. I, I could have probably about two years ago spent a lot of time looking into it. There's a lot of debate about who really got to seven nanometers versus who hasn't because of the techniques. The reality is, is mm. they have people have gotten there. But nonetheless, there is a very different uh, approach, the Intel versus uh, who are the, some of the other ones that we, we talk about? TSMC yeah, about that they've taken to get there. So this is, uh, you know, this is good news in the world of uh, processing units and things that need to get smaller for smaller sake. So it's good. It's good stuff. I appreciate it. So more, you're staying alive, brother. You still got this thing going. Okay, cool. Way to go. Oh, 
what else we got here? Uh, state media says China is restricting online gaming time of minors. So anybody under the age of 18 to three hours most weeks of the year from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Fridays, weekends, and public holidays. What say you? Because that seems crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really, I mean, this is going to sound like a stupid word, but foreign, I think, to the average American, too. Like the idea that the government could tell you what you could or couldn't do with your spare time, regardless of how old you are. It's extremely foreign to a lot of the developed world. Not the whole. Not just this Americans. is true. This is true. <laughs> well, let me ask you this way. Let me ask you this That's way. Strange. It's, a, it's a campaign to groom productive youths. And I'm saying that in quotes, right? But do you think that's going to be effective? I do not. Nope. Okay. I, I mean, I could see, I could see guidance on like, let's say they've done a ton of research and it just shows that kids that play too many hours of games in a week are somehow being less productive or they're not keeping up or they're, you know, statistically behind in some way. But then you provide guidance that says, so probably a good idea to limit screen time as an example, but it doesn't sound like that's what they did. They just said, can't do that anymore. Boom, go change it. And I, I don't know that there's any evidence to support that. I wonder what kind of ISP problems they have because they're banning online gaming for minors, except from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Friday to Sunday. That could be. Their weekends, like their Friday night to Sunday night is just bonkers, I guess. Well, they well, do have a billion internet bonkers users. regardless. Yeah, they have a billion uh, billion internet users. So yeah, probably saw that earlier this week. Right. And so I think that there's my, my struggle with this is and I, and I tell this to parents all the time, because for whatever reason, I will get asked regularly my thoughts on their kids playing games. And I tell them regularly, I'm not the right person to ask. Because there's no scenario where I'm going to say that it is a bad thing. Because it has done nothing but dramatically improve my own life in a very, very positive way. If they want to talk about that, I'm happy to do so with them, you know, and sit down and have the conversation about how it positively impacted my life and how I believe it can for a lot of other people as well. And so most people just don't recognize that. I, so I, I wish, like Tyler, we had some data that they would give us until I'm seeing something that proves dramatically that this is, that this is something that's negatively impacting everyone. It's, it's, I'm going to struggle with. And even then, I'm going to have to really look at that data. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a peer review. I'm not just yeah. going to listen to the peer review. Like, I'm going to look at this very closely. So I struggle with that. But the thing about it is, all throughout history, all throughout time, I can only really look at America, I guess, but I'm, I'm assuming this is similar in other areas of the world. We've found certain things to vilify that, that negatively affect youth throughout time. With us, it has been, with America, it's been music, it's been comics, it's been TV, now it's video games. And it, it's, it's just like there's always something that, that a new generation of parents or leaders seem to need to find as that new thing that is deteriorating the, the minds of children, yet we continue to progress things throughout history over time anyways. So that's, that's my struggle when I see stuff like this. It feels like an unnecessary amount of control being exerted, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it also seems arbitrary because I, I have seen a number of um, you know, articles, some very well written. This is not hard to find. I mean, you can just Google it and find you know, multi-page articles and good research that talks about like whether or not games have a specific impact. And then there are some really good articles about screen time in general too, and what that does to kids and attention spans and things like that. Like if you really want to dig into it, 
But that's what makes this so strange to me is that it is very targeted at games. And I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen anything that supports that targeted of, uh, you know, some, so if, if you're speaking broadly and you're saying ages, you know, X to Y shouldn't be consuming media or stuff like this or, or spending too much time on a tablet or phone or something along those lines, I think there is some, some scientific body of evidence to support some of those positions. I don't think that they're completely validated and, and that there's enough to like make that strong of a decision. So don't get me wrong the way I'm saying this, but just calling out gaming in this case doesn't make sense. So do you think it's going to be effective or do you think it's going to be like, Hey, don't download illegal music or don't illegal music. Don't illegally download music. And you're teaching an entire generation how to get around state controls and to just disrespect those commands. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah. Effective is something different, right? I think China, unlike a lot of places, probably has a better efficacy for these kinds of things than than other nations. And so I I don't even want to venture a guess on what that's going to create. I think in general, when it comes to trying to circumvent like a Chinese government mandated method of working with the internet or something like that. Yeah. I'm sure those those dark corners exist, but I would also guess that their ability to exact control also far exceeds many other parts of the world. So, what's wild about it too, and I, sorry, we don't have to stay on this forever, but probably one of my last thoughts for right now. But I feel like I have a lot of them. Um, if you even are a gamer, you'll understand that having it, it's literally limited to 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Friday, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Saturday, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sunday. You get one hour on three days. And then public holidays. So call it three hours a week, right? Right. Uh, one hour at a time. Is that even an effective amount of time to play a game? Like half the time, you're probably I just couldn't... getting in and setting up and creating your person and just starting to explore. And then boom, the 9 p.m. happens. I couldn't even effectively guarantee I could finish a game of Counter-Strike in that amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I would leave Maybe. that country immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Some, something, something related to this... Um, yeah. Is as it talking about gaming? So everyone knows Twitch, most popular streaming platform on the planet. Um, we've used it before. Uh, we, we I have also used YouTube uh, live streaming before. I don't know if you know this, but Facebook actually has a live streaming platform as well. So Facebook Gaming is another live streaming platform. Yeah, didn't know there's that. there's a, there's occasionally been some big deals where Facebook gave a league a whole bunch of money to broadcast their stuff on there, and then they went from you know having a hundred thousand viewers to having five. So it's not it's not good business. <laughs> but Oops. Yeah, Facebook has everything. They they have a digital wallet now too. Hey, there you go. Well, Dr. Lupo, um, it's a Twitch streamer. He's pretty pretty popular. Uh, he's moving to not Facebook gaming, but to YouTube gaming. So it's a pretty big deal that he's moving. Uh, Doc moved a while back, although it really wasn't uh, his choice. There's more of a legal matter involved. But what's interesting is is that in this article that's talking about Dr. Lupo, uh, Lupo leaving, they show percentages of Twitch versus YouTube gaming versus Facebook gaming. And I would like... To to hear your thoughts on what those three percentages are in terms of viewership on viewership broadcasts yep. total total hours watched of live game streaming they hold the vast majority of the share well actually that's not true they hold they all who? well here let me you want us to Twitch, guess first on youtube the... gaming facebook gaming those three so oh, they give me like th- the three hold all of it is that what you oh, said yeah. so yep and i would give say me the percentage other is non-existent Give me the percentage out of Twitch of, of Twitch that you think holds it out of a hundred. 
60 percent i'm gonna say 60. 60 92 all right something in the middle there so i'll give you that hint what do you think youtube gaming is going to be i'm doing 18. them in order as another hint 18 20. you you guessed 92. i know but you well, told you me it was less your, than that you went off your other thing <laughs> yeah no that's fair yeah. uh, and now facebook gaming uh four Oh, both very close on that one or at least to each other not to the actual number so the numbers are <laughs> are incredibly interesting so that was great. I, that was great. I was impressed that you guessed you guessed 60 percent. it's 72.3 percent on twitch i would have been with tyler i would have i would have guessed in the night i would guess yeah, for sure. yeah we'll see i'm smarter um, than both you guys so this is this is well you went to ou i went to tech you went to smu it's lower end schools so you got youtube you gaming <laughs> youtube That's how gaming it works this isn't as the close as possible right. without going That's over. True. Well, technically, you're, you're confused about the, the show. Right. You do right. always want to miss a That's shot not. long because if you miss a shot, a shot long, you you gave it a chance. If you miss it short, you never did. That's yeah. true. You so, want to go through your Wait, and I'll give it a okay, chance. Fine. All right, fine. Uh, YouTube gaming, 15.6%. Oh. Uh, was that, I was I like spot on. I said 15. You, were, you, you, you said 18 on that oh, one. You said 18, close. yeah. Yeah, because uh, I overshot just slightly. So both of those numbers are surprising. The fact that Facebook gaming is at twelve point one percent is shocking. That's yeah. crazy. That's so crazy. legitimately Facebook gave ESL like we don't know the real numbers, but the assumption is is well into the multi million dollar range to have ESL Pro League, which is Counter Strike's premier um, league online league, just hosted in on Facebook gaming. They did that for one year. And then ESL cut the contracts because the viewership was so bad. And I mean, dramatically worse. I subscribed to them on Facebook gaming and I still couldn't find the live streams half the time. Like that's how bad it was. I was this so, is, I, I'm yeah, very surprised to see me, that it owns this. Facebook just has to go into something and they will have a significant share. They will yeah. be in the top five, whatever it is. And this is, I know I probably sound like, you know, some crazy pants person on the sidewalk here but every time i i see news come up about facebook getting into digital wallets and getting into money and all this kind of stuff i mean seriously a quarter of the planet is on facebook every single day a third of the planet is on facebook at least once a month and if they get into digital wallets for you know whatever stable coins or cbdc's or altcoins or whatever it might be facebook has a run at being a top 10 bank Dude, Very you're not going to like the metaverse because I'm pretty sure they're going to own it. <laughs> it's, it's what it I is. I don't know how anyone... <clears throat> I think I may have put this on Twitter. I think the only company that could maybe truly challenge them is Apple in the metaverse space. Personal. Oh, yeah. that's Because I just think that they have so many people yeah. while they share users. So like Facebook and Google share users. Facebook right. and Apple share users. But only one of those groups is truly loyal and that's the apple users which is why i think they have a fighting chance to be able to go up against facebook in a metaverse like maybe maybe for apple users but i don't think like what what's the comparison how many people use apple versus how many people use facebook it's it's small. well there's a there's i don't a even percentage. think it's close yeah small then, percentage for sure did they not sell a, do they not have a billion iphones out there well i think but i think facebook so it's a yeah, it's nuanced. Versus though. two billion, you. I mean, two billion versus Facebook has double, all of still... the. Facebook has all of the oh, iPhone users, a... for sure. Yeah, and right. Apple only has a small percentage of the Facebook users. That's that's my thought, and and uh, the billion iPhones is that is that like 
every generation. I, I'm, or is it a billion? Anyways, I, I don't know the answer to it, but I don't think that Apple compares to Facebook users. I, yeah. I don't know the best way to even Google Apple that. Apple says there are now but... over 1 billion active iPhones. Okay. There are well, 2 billion users of Facebook on Facebook. the planet, which is obviously double. Yeah, it's, it's I'm, much All bigger. I'm saying is that this yeah. is... And, and I agree with you that Apple has... Or that Facebook has 100% of Apple users. What yeah. I'm saying is, is that 100% of Apple users, or at least 99% of them, would probably are flip over to much an more product. loyal to Apple than they would be to Facebook. That's probably true. Hmm. And I think that, you know, the Facebook and Apple little rivalry thing here is sort of heating up with the ad w- tracking transparency. So I think that that's yeah. why I think they're the one that could really compete the most. I don't I don't It'll, know that Google I'd be curious to see well. as as loyal as Apple um, users are. I'd be curious to see the breakdown of folks in the Apple ecosystem that would even consider the metaverse as opposed to just saying, get off my lawn and start like shooting at clouds and stuff. I, I know, uh, they, you know from yeah, the first one we get to choose. Yeah, you don't get to choose. Kind you of. will get pulled into it. It started you with emojis. You don't get to choose the metaverse. Yeah, it started it's with emojis and then it's going to move into I, VR and then it's going to, yeah. It's, that's the thing though, is that like my mom iPhone user, not going to use VR in Apple's ecosystem or Facebook's ecosystem ever. Not going to happen. If she does, it would be a joke for one video yeah. and then never again. That's not the same as creating a metaverse ecosystem that actually generates revenue. Well, I don't mean I think to sound kind crass, of point. but I don't, I don't think the metaverse, you, the, 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 I was going to say metaverse universe, but the metaverse <laughs> will have too many of that generation. I think the exploding well, growth of the point. generations beneath... Fair enough, but that will overtake uh, percentage wise. That's that's my is, question is who is going about to be in the metaverse. That's my question about the billion iPhones. What percentage of them are people that aren't ever going to really engage less any and metaverse? Less, less and less every day. Sure. And that's the fact. But is it 40% today? Because I know a lot of people in whatever the that number generation is, use iPhones down every because year. it's simple. Yeah, but whatever that number is, it's going to keep going down every year. What, what, what where do we draw the line things. at the age that you think? Because like I'm my dad is my dad's in his sixties. He has no. Facebook. It's going to depend on the person. A, a VR headset. I think it gets fuzzier the younger they are. No, no, it does. It, I think age age does contribute significantly to whether or not you're going to adopt new technologies like that. I don't. That's not an ageist comment. Yeah, it's but a I'm fact. Not going that doesn't to, mean people yeah. won't do it. So it does like, not mean because you are 65 you can't or will not. It just means that you are far less, less likely. likely to statistically. So, so let's, let's you, use, you and let's, your let's 15 like friends, two, we do it. <laughs> My dad is a blue collar worker, fixes bumpers for a living. Got Facebook VR the moment he saw mine. That's what or I'm saying. Face, it depends Facebook on the user. VR, whatever we call it, on Oculus. User. So I, I'm, you know, and he's whatever, 62, sure. 63, yeah. something That's like that. So I'm I just don't know where the line is, is what I'm wondering. Uh, it's not, yeah. it's not a line in the sand. I think it gets fuzzier, yeah, but a, the older you are, the less well, likely you are to do it. And that's what I'm saying. I like, if you got to yeah, see the striation of the population that's using iPhones today, I'd be interested to see what population is over 60 as an example. And then it'd be even more interesting to see what percentage of that population over 60 as an example, arbitrary line in the sand, as far as the, the age, the number goes, what percentage of them use any VR at all? Like touched it once, use it daily, use my kids, use a friend. Like my guess is a lot more teenagers use VR on a regular basis than 60 plus. I, I don't, I mean, I, I have no idea what the numbers are, Correct. but I would, I would, yeah, I would agree. Well, let's, say, let's say we draw that line in the sand at 60, a metaverse 
concept or idea is going to take 10 plus years to materialize in any conceivable fashion whatsoever, mm-hmm. which means those 10-year-olds that have iPhones today are going to be 20-year-olds that are going to sure. soon be in the workforce. And right now, Apple is taking market share from Android left and right. They just passed yeah, Android and that, in the US for over point. 50% they really? market share. Wow. I did they not did. know that. This past year, they just passed Android for 50% market share in the US. Not in the world, obviously, but in the US, they're over 50% market share. Well, that they're not over 50% slow. market share on this podcast, so we need to change that. Well, nope. you know, you never know. I like the idea of some of the stuff they're just doing. Kidding. I'm just the, kidding. Yeah, that, the, that article you tweeted this morning was cool. Wasn't that crazy? They are over that 50% is cool. of our um, listener base. But yeah. And so that's the thing, though, is that is, I, in my opinion, I believe that's only going to grow. I think your article are you talking about? We'll talk about that next. But right now we're talking about this. I'm sorry. So I think that's going to grow. And I just think that with more people that dive into it, I think once they dive into it, they enjoy being a part of the the experience of being an Apple user. And they they would want to protect that. I'm not saying that they'll beat them. I'm saying that I think they're the best position player to compete against Facebook. Yeah. because Because of the loyalty. Okay, somewhat related news, um, and and we may you may want to transition into that other thing, but uh, Byte Dance, we know Byte Dance, right? Yeah, I know T- the uh, TikTok Pico! owner, people that made TikTok. They acquired yeah. a VR headset maker. Yeah, Pico. You just said it. Uh, and according to IDC, Pico is the third largest VR headset maker globally. I did not know that. I didn't. Yeah, we're working on some stuff with Pico for remote desktop stuff, or, or oh, I really? just say remote work. Yeah, like like in bringing it into like a workspace one fold, right? So end user device yeah. management. Um, curious if this will have any impact on that. I doubt it. VMware kind of works with everybody, but, uh, yeah. but no, dude, it Pico, feels like- I've been aware of them for a while. We, we need our yeah. uh, senior VR field correspondent, Daniel, right. to come back on yep. and, and give, us, give us the real take on that. Get on here, bro. Um, but yeah, and they had big growth. Uh, their shipments went up 44.7% year over year uh, for Q1. Do we have numbers besides percentages? I'm just curious because I don't enough. I don't have a frame of reference. Yeah, most companies aren't going to give you exact numbers or dollars, like exact unit counts or dollars. They're always going to tell you in percentages. Um, right. If you do enough digging online, um, you can usually find it, but it doesn't say in this article. It just says percentages. So very well. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, good. Um, do we want to move on to that article that we're talking about before I forget? Well, we can. I want to make sure we talk about that Apple hundred million dollar fine with the. And maybe that's what your article we, is. I don't know. We can we can talk about both. Is? We can we can go back to okay. It's because well, it's iPhone related it. both ways. Take it. Whichever um, one you want. So the one I showed earlier, um, I think it's cool. I don't know. It stuck out to me. Um, Tyler liked it, so I think he thinks it's cool. The iPhone cool. thirteen. This is actually a funny. The way that they wrote this article is funny. The iPhone thirteen may support satellite calls. Yes, I which saw is cool. That. Yes. This is actually, it was particularly cool and a very timely for me because my in-laws are in Slidell, Louisiana, and their power and all comms went down at about six o'clock yesterday. We just heard for them for the first time as a family like an hour ago. Wow. And my, yeah. my first thought when you tweeted that, which was way before we got a hold of them again, was if they had SAT communication that yep. was stable, usable, then they would still be able to communicate. And I was thinking, well, shoot, if they still had a landline, and then it occurred to me, they do have a landline. All comms are down in Slidell. Like, Louisiana is a mess right now because of Hurricane yep. Ida. And um, it made me think Starlink for internet, stuff like that, which, of course, you've got, if I'm not mistaken, some hardware that could be a problem in a hurricane, right? Yeah. There are other factors that are going to contribute to it. You have to have hardware locally. But having, like, backup 
ability to communicate through a sat link is actually a really cool marriage of technology that's been around for a long time and would be pretty badass as a baseline. Because think think about where you can't get connectivity on a cell phone right now. Yep. And it's like the worst place to need help. Yes. And so having a sat phone <laughs> is still something people do in those situations. If it's baked into everybody's phone, that's actually really cool. Yeah, it's amazing. I thought, yeah. I thought it was really cool. And the, the article's funny. It says, according to a revered Apple analyst, the next iPhone, tentatively named iPhone 13, which, yes, I, by I, the way, I, I feel I was going to bring that up because there's been no announcement. It might be the 12S, right? So don't get all hyped up about iPhone 13. I feel pretty good about iPhone 13. I'm feeling it. I don't if think they're going to call it. If you throw satellite in there, not in every market, 13. anyways. There yeah. are some markets, some sizable that's, markets. That's why they just throwing a 13 in there would probably not happen. Yeah, I agree. It's, that, that's why they stuck nine because well, it's an on. unlucky I'm, number I'm in tracking. Asia. Help me out. The 13 is an unlucky number, right? Which is why they skipped nine. They went from I disagree, eight to, by the way. To 10. Not unlucky. Hold on. Is nine an unlucky number? It yeah. is in Asia. I didn't that's know what about I'm this. It is. That's why it skipped nine. So there's a chance it could even not even be 12S. It could be a 14. Yeah, they could go 12S. They could go 14. They could do another like Roman numeral thing. You know, I won so many bets. Call it that, something other than an iPhone. It the iPhone 10. What? Call it something other than an iPhone? Just finish eating your chips. Stop interrupting. Come back with jokes later. <laughs> Just kidding. It wasn't uh, the but, iPhone 10. No, it wasn't. I mean, it was. It, w- it was the yes. No, it was the. Oh my gosh! Now you've messed. Did me you up. just break yourself? I think I think I did just break myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, Red yeah, Bull the and iPhone. the workout is was, wearing off. Yes, and Bewley's brain is staggering. Yes, it was the <laughs> iPhone 10, not the iPhone X. Okay, that's anyway. what I said. That's not what yes. you said. Yes. Anyway. All right. So I won that one. We'll move on to which which happened to be the 11th generation of the iPhone. Yeah. Well, that's not important. Trust me. Okay. Xbox Series X. Come on. Let's. Yeah. You know, it's it's really not important. Yes, uh, but it was pronounced ten, which is that. Yeah, sorry, I just kind of my brain broke there for a second. But yes, what if ten anyway, doesn't mean it's the tenth iPhone? What? What if it's just called the the iPhone ten? It doesn't mean it's the tenth iPhone. Oh my gosh, this this whole segment is just falling apart here. It's uh, so really what, going what, fine for me. <laughs> um, the so, so you want you want to talk about the Apple settlement, right? Um, the hundred hundred milli. Yes, I do. Yeah. What's your take on that? Uh, My take on that is that Apple swindled the world and all of them and they won. Yep. In other news, Gorilla beats child at arm wrestling. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) It was so ridiculous. They're like, oh, yes, big settlement. Apple pays fine. And it's like, nope. Apple paid for the ability to make all these developers agree that the percentage was or that the, the percentage wasn't too much, right? At 30%. Yep. The big kicker that I just like, I fell out of my chair whenever I saw that the lawyers were charging the developers 30% of the $100 million fine I know. for that fund. That just an un- unbelievable Amazing. amount of irony. So the it's insult to injury. Yes. They're, the developers here are getting anywhere from like $240 payouts to $30,000 payouts, depending on the developer and the size of whatever they did. The only thing that changed in this entire piece. Are you ready for this? Is that the developers are now allowed to email their users and let them know about other ways that you can interact with them or pay 
or sign up or whatever, which Apple already those still, right? No, no, they can't on the iPhone. All they're saying is, is that they can now email them. This is the only thing they can do because they couldn't even do that before. That was not is ridiculous. I I did not know they couldn't do it before. When I read that in the settlement, I was like, get the F out of here. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Before they could, you not can't even contact your users. customers. Can't no, because they're them, Apple customers. Them. No, exactly, yeah. they're Apple customers. They are not your customers, Ridiculous. and so that is exactly the that's the one change that came here, which some people have sort of hinted at. A few developers were already just sort of breaking the rules because this is difficult to enforce, anyways. And that this would basically change almost nothing. I mean, realistically, who's looking for emails from your app developers on your phone to figure out a different way to subscribe to them? Zero people. Zero. So it's just, it's just insane uh, that I, I don't I'm know why they agreed to I'm only looking for emails from this. Mattress Firm, Body Armor, and Red Bull. That's, you know, that's right. what I pay attention to. This is oh, a joke, goodness. ladies and gentlemen. We're not actually sponsored in this episode. We we it's wake up funny. well rested off of our mattress from mattress. We have Red Bull to wake us up, and then we have body armor to hydrate us after that. That caffeine drove us to a wall. Um, yeah, so it's I don't know why they agreed to this. I think it's like swatting flies, man. A hundred million dollars is nothing to them, and it's worth. No, it no, to I don't them. know why. I know why Apple agreed to it. I don't. Oh, know why, why did developers, developers agree to it? Agreed to this. I think that this yeah, dramatically hurts Epic's case. Because they, they yes. now have thousands of developers that, that have to Siding publicly against say Epic. 30% yeah. was fair. Not only was it fair for Apple, but it was fair for our lawyers. We took it twice. Yeah. And you probably have Google Play over there like, yes. Yeah. You know, Google, setting like, precedence. We didn't even have to shell out $100 million. Right. So this is great. Yep. That's right. Oh, so I just, I think it's, I think it's all bad for um, now, anyone fighting against Apple. I will say that I, I still, I'm, I'm not necessarily on the side of, the 30% is this weird thing that Apple shouldn't get. I'm against Apple's control over like, you can't let people do other things. You can't email them. You can't yeah. let them pay other ways. The th- I've never been on the side of like, well, 30% is automatically bad. You need to prove to me that 30% is bad. But bro, every time oh. I say that, people come out of the woodworks and they say, fine, do it somewhere else. Sell your app that's somewhere my, else. That's my, that's my point as well. Even I know, but outside of all those controls, like you can't talk to the customer, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. And if you have a problem with it, go somewhere else. I just think it's shady business is really what it comes down to. Well, because Google has all the same crap. The only difference between Google and Apple in this scenario is they allow you to put another app store or sideload an app. Yeah. Everything else is the same, just through different tactics. I mean, Google is out there has actually paid... Uh, I don't know, Samsung or some other phone makers to not put other stores on their phones. Hmm. You could argue that's even worse that they're going out there and, and paying people to prioritize their own store, as opposed to putting rules in that say, you can't use their own store. Yeah. You know what? So there's, they're doing the same thing just in different ways, you know, and, and none of it is good in my opinion. And yeah, you could just go somewhere else. That doesn't For mean sure. that the things they are doing are bad. I, the 30% thing though, is I'm, I think they should just allow alternative payment schemes. Yep. And if they can still demand their 30%, which by the way, I think they will be able to probably 90% of the time, mm-hmm. then I would be fine with it because, because people, people have are, the option to go somewhere else. People aren't going to go through that other option. I do not believe just the majority lazy. of people on the iPhone will go to the Epic game store. I think you're right. I, think I you're completely right. agree. I think it's, well, it's disappointing that they weren't forced to do it. I think it's silly that they didn't just do it. 
and I agree with Russ that even regardless if it went out any other way, if somebody forced them or they did it on their own, it would change almost nothing for them. Yeah. And I wish I could say I have this original hot take. I don't. I've seen this before. Steam takes the same 30%. There have been like 15 different game stores. They have been successful and made on Windows and Epic Game Store is one of them. And games will sell, you know, a million copies and there'll be delayed release on Steam. And then the moment they release on Steam, three to six months later, they'll sell another 50 million copies. Yeah. Okay, so we're running out know. of time here, and I got one other thing I want to get both of y'all's take on. Do it. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, here, let me just get to it. So, uh, Jack Dorsey and Mike Brock uh, say Squares TBD, which is the name of it right now, which I kind of like to be determined, I think is what it's going to stand for at this point. Maybe that's what it is, but that's what I imagine. Uh, is building a Bitcoin centric decentralized exchange for digital assets. What do y'all think on that? I don't know what just happened. Okay. What? So Twitter's Jack Dorsey wants to create a, so it's Bitcoin focused for now, but mm-hmm. a decentralized exchange, right? So you have exchange for trading, buying, selling, right? Keeping whatever store, sure. which is what you shouldn't do, but you can. So do. a decentralized crypto exchange specifically that Correct. right now is focused on Bitcoin. Right now, just focus on Bitcoin. And okay. it's, it is a, a financial instrument inside of Square, which is owned by Jack Dorsey. Yeah, I think I think the you know marketplace for yeah. DeFi De- De- DeFi exchanges is real, right? Um, yeah, they they already exist, right? There are a few of them. Um, some of them are you know coins, right? For instance, so you can go look in the tech is is basically dedicated to that as an exchange. I'm blanking on some of the names, but um, I think similar to the comment you made about Facebook or the conversation we were having about Apple and all that sort of stuff. It, it might be more successful just because it's related to Square and Twitter. And so their user base is already there. But I think uh, decentralized exchange is A, good, because we've talked about the one of the problems with crypto right now is that while technically you don't need an exchange to onboard, it is far more adoptable with an exchange. Right. Yeah, if you sure. have a decentralized exchange that... It, ironically that you trust, which is the funny thing about a, a decentralized <laughs> exchange is that the trust is why you, it, it being decentralized is why you should trust it. But having a brand come out and say, you can actually trust this thing was built to not require your trust to function is, is actually going to help it, I think. So as long as it makes onboarding easy, that's it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's just it's also weird to see something like decentralized and backed by Jack Dorsey, Twitter and Square. Yes, that, that was well, my next question. Thank you for answering I, that ahead of time. I don't think it is necessarily because we know that Jack has endorsed decentralization of social media, in which case Twitter would be one it's of funny, the though. things that lives on it. It is funny. I just get, you know, I, I think I share the same thoughts about the whole thing. What I'm curious about is does Twitter share the same, and I think the answer is no, but I'm curious your thoughts, share the same sort of negative attitude towards it that Facebook does? Negative attitude towards what? Like, do like a lot of people have a very negative attitude towards Facebook in general. Like, like uh, a lot sure. of people don't don't want Facebook to have the power that it has, and just, oh, are you they, saying they don't do be, people, they, people don't want do people don't want to log into Oculus because it has Facebook login? Do you think people have share the same for Twitter? Like, would the Twitter no. brand in any way, shape, or form no. hurt this? I don't no. think so either. I'm just curious. I don't know if it no. if it has 
any of that same sort of animosity. No. And whatsoever. one of the things I think that they're looking at, well, so this is, this is cool too. I'll get to it in just a second. But um, one of the things I think they're trying to integrate, you've heard Jack mention, I want Bitcoin and Twitter to integrate is the concept of a, um, it's kind of like unstoppable domains where all I have to do to get paid by you is, you know, my Twitter handle, right? You don't have to know my Bitcoin wallet. You just have to know my Twitter right. handle. And, and that's, yep. that and is going to be critically important for the adoption of any cryptocurrency or anything that is based on a blockchain technology, in my opinion. I yep. still think the complication and just the fact that you need to explain what those things are to somebody is going to be a huge deterrent for a significant chunk of the population. Nobody wants to talk about a hardware wallet or a software wallet or a paper wallet. Nobody wants to memorize a 25-word phrase or lock it up in a, in a safe. They want something that is easier to consume than a debit card or more valuable. Ideally, both. And Accurate. to be honest, it probably needs to be both to be broadly adopted. So making Agreed. it as simple as an at, that's huge. Huge, 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 yes. huge. That's how early but we you, are in all of this. Absolutely. Right? Uh, so one of the other things too that Jack is looking at, he's building a KYC, so know your customer compliant DEX, right? That decentralized exchange Which is for funny, Bitcoin. Because I just remember DEX is actually one of the coins. DEX is a coin that is, oh, is it? It is it, it is itself a coin. Like oh, Doge is a coin, DEX is a coin. Yeah. And I remembered a couple of them. Uniswap and PancakeSwap are both uh decentralized exchange to those okay. tokens associated with DEX. Well, um, we're going to have to figure that out because DeFi is being yep. used for decentralized finance. DEX is being used for decentralized exchange. But this this part is going to be interesting to follow is building that KYC compliant DEX with a decentralized identity solution. That's the big yeah. thing that I'm super curious about. And I think that that's, is, it has the potential to solve a lot, of, a lot of other problems as well when you think about identity. Yeah, because it, the con actually, I mean, that's a really important thing. Regulation will continue to mature for any kind of crypto exchange, whether it's decentralized or centralized. What's a curious bit of a conundrum there is that it's very difficult to regulate something that's decentralized, right? So really the way that they would regulate around it is eventually to say these are illegal. And they will if they don't find a ways to put controls on people using them and how they use them, right? So there, there's still a lot of solving for uh, unforeseen issues or foreseen issues in some cases, like illicit use of crypto and exchange and stuff like that. So um, I, don't, I don't know. It'll be really neat to see that unfold. But I do think it bodes well that large organizations like that are getting into uh, into the mix, I guess. Okay. I do, I do wonder how it'll be affected by, you know, like, you know, Binance obviously struggles in the U S and, uh, while, while Coinbase doesn't, it's like, how will that work with a decentralized exchange? I don't know. Just interested to, to find out, but I'll tell you what, I like the idea. I know. Right. I get behind cool. it. Okay. Look, I, I feel you like shutting this down, one. but I saw an article right before we hopped on today, arm China seized IP and re-released themselves an independent company. Yep. What? Yep. How the, freaky is that? Do we have time to get into this? Wait, Julie, say I this replied. Again? I replied to your. I quote tweeted your tweet on like the the markets in China. Yeah, and I was like, here's something very related in a cautionary tale. Yeah, it's a real bad look. It is a real bad, oh, and it's man. really interesting. Like, no, I don't think we have time to get into it completely today. But like, that's hot off the press. It basically boils down to the way that Arm China was established how it gets legally operated and then 
who basically owns that legal operation you know entity they were able to basically just abscond with the ip and create a new company under that under the legal protection and and construct that it was built in so basically mistakes were made but it's pretty ugly yeah i mean at the end of it so this very very short version of this is that i think it was softbank maybe that owned the majority share sold 51% to varying different investors in China in order to break into the market. And then they hired, obviously, a Chinese citizen in order to be the CEO and run the arm China. What happened is, and what, what's interesting here is that Alan Wu, who is the CEO of arm China, has been fired from arm China, but what? still runs the company because Legally. in China, that's not how things work. That's in right. China, there is something called the company seal, which is held by Alan Wu. And the person who owns the company seal or, or has the company seal runs the company no matter what. And the only way that that company seal can go to someone else is if the Chinese majority holders were basically to acknowledge the firing and then nominate a Western influencer to take it over, which they won't, which is why this company is now being taken over and ran holistically yeah. and independently in China. Yeah, which is which is fascinating, but that's where all the crazy mistakes like it, they they took some gambles and it didn't work out so well. But uh, no, perfect summary. That was great. Anyways, yeah, super interesting crazy. stuff. And that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We're glad to be back. Sorry we took uh, so much of a hiatus. It's great to be here. Obviously, thanks to our sponsors, Red Bull. <laughs> Mattress firm and that body other armor. one, body, body armor. armor. There it is. <laughs> I got to get paid by body armor now, bro. <laughs> uh, we uh, yeah, we're gone. Bye. Later. <laughs> See ya.